Welcome to season five of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life back into your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate, and I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast, where we can face the challenges of this lifestyle together. You there? I'm here. Yep. Okay. Hey. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Are you done sharing whatever you need to do up there? I am looking for a link. I'm not sure where you sent you sent it to me. Uh, Hun, it's on my it's on my Facebook page now. Oh, it's on your Facebook page. No, well, originally I texted it to you, but this is your this is your computer. So when you text from your computer, it's coming from your link. So okay, so I'm gonna. Hey, everybody. It's Corey and Matt. We're testing out a fun Life Giver podcast live. So, Matt, for those of you who are going to share with us um, in just a minute, why don't you update everybody? What? Me? Update everybody? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, Okay. So this is what we were. All right. So going back, if you already listened to the, the minute and a half that was just me, on the first initial live podcast, hate to cover ground earlier, but um, so Corey is upstairs in quarantine just because she conducted a conference in Texas last week and she flew back out of Dallas last Friday. And our youngest son is uh, EFMP with asthma. And so out of an abundance of caution, we just wanted to make sure that uh, she wasn't carrying anything. And uh, I'm kind of a germaphobe by nature. And so uh, I just asked her, hey, why don't you uh, you sleep upstairs uh, for a couple of weeks and I'll just bring you well, food <laughs> a couple of weeks and I'll bring you food. And let's just call this uh, a good hiatus, a good little quarantine. And so I think she's gone through at least uh, all of Love is Blind. I don't know how many other seasons she's she's binged up there. Oh, man, a lot, a lot. Mm. Like, I mean, it's kind of an introvert's dream when you think about it for a little bit. You know, but it's still, this is still not easy. Yeah. I love how you actually have kind of, I don't know if you can hear it. You've got a really kind of interesting echo up there. So it really sounds like we've got you quarantined in a tiny little box. So <laughs> she is not in a tiny little box. She's got the whole master bedroom and bathroom to herself. You know, she is just, every time I drop food off of there, it just has taken on more of her persona and less of mine. So, um, it's just disheveled. <laughs> That's all it is. So we are, and I've, I've reset, we had a spare bedroom suit. So I just set that up downstairs in our basement. So not just prepared for coronavirus, but also for sleeping through any tornadoes that come through this state. Oh, so we're goodness. all, we're all good. Me and the boys are living in the basement and we're growing moss on ourselves and uh, she's way upstairs living in the penthouse. So that's how we're running it here at the weather's home. It is. It is a little bit. So you are working like the back end of the Life for Live podcast down there. I'm a little, um, I'm not frightened because you used to help on a radio station. Um, right. right. So, but it's kind of interesting that you're working all the controls downstairs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I found the audio effects. That's going to happen. I was just going to say it's dangerous. So since you can see what I can't see, I've changed all the links to have it be this second one. Are you seeing anybody else that's any numbers that are joining? 
Um, yes, Jess says that she can hear us and Manoush entered the live studio. And oh then, my goodness. And then How someone else entered the live studio. So yeah, we, we entered a live studio and yet we didn't. We're all in our little separate places, breathing our own separate air because we're responsible adults. It's crazy. Okay, yeah. so um, you be good down there with all those controls. <laughs> I will. I'm not. No, we're, we'll get serious in here a little bit. We'll get serious in a little bit. So. <laughs> well, um, we, like you said, decided to do this because um, we're going through what the rest of the world is going through. Mm -hmm. I'm upstairs in self-isolation. Um, I don't have any symptoms, so nobody needs to be worried about that. But it really is just a protective measure just to make sure. Um, and it's very interesting to be in a room for a week, mm -hmm. you know, I did go for a run. So it's like, I feel fine and I am healthy, but I shouldn't leave the room. And yet I can go for a run as long as I'm not around people. It's just kind of a really weird world that we're in. Yeah. So we just decided maybe it'd be good for us to talk about it and give everybody a little bit of, um, entertainment, if you will, but also talking about how this affects service marriages specifically, because um, whether you're military or first responder, you guys are really feeling this in a lot of different ways. And I would say maybe different ways compared to the civilian um, world, if you will. So we just thought it would be a good idea to kind of have that conversation, at least start that conversation. Yeah. So um, one of the things is, uh, you know, it, it does impact our lives, all of us, uh, some to more one extent or another, um, just because you are and you are responding to emergencies out there. If you're a first responder or in the military, which we're really used to, as opposed to a lot of other people, we're really used to people controlling our lives and to going, OK, well, we're told we can't do this, can't do that. We're kind of cool with it. it that's kind of how we've lived for the better part of a decade or so. And. So we, that's just kind of the next next uh, evolution. Uh, so it's not that bad. But the other flip side of that, especially in the military, are um, you rarely get so much time around your loved one. And really, that only happens if you're if you're on leave. Uh, and usually when we go on leave, it's either to visit family or to go to a, a certain place in like Disney World and to, we're very distracted with other things. Or if you're in a PCS and you take a lot of leave, but even at that, you're usually very distracted with a lot of things that are going on as you're settling into your new home, getting there. And so you have a little bit of place and space, but here we're all thrown together in one house and uh, DOD schools have been canceled. Uh, everybody's schools have been canceled and um, oh, hold on. I had to drink some coffee. And, uh, and so with the cancellation of the schools, like everybody's at the house and like the first couple of three days, those are, um, those are fun. You're like, Oh, Hey, you, I haven't seen you in forever. And then by day four, you're like, so when are you leaving? Um, we've got this thing with, uh, with us and we're PCS and, and then I'll stop talking and turn it over to Corey. But when I PCS, um, I usually try and take 40 days of leave. And then with about, about a week or so left where I'm just kind of enjoying the leave, but at the same time I'm going stir crazy, Corey just kind of gives me that look. So like, when are you going back to work? Cause you got to get out of the house cause you're driving me crazy. And so with that in mind, we wanted to have a conversation from downstairs to upstairs and with you listening of, um, how do you navigate through this very new normal that we don't know how long it's going to last? 
Yeah. And I'll throw it to Corey. Yeah, no, I second, I second all of that, what you just said, because, um, that's what I'm hearing from a lot of couples is, you know, on one hand, this is kind of like a weird vacation and kind of relaxing and it makes us all stop for a minute. But on the other hand, I mean, we're really feeling kind of the tension that's going to build within our community of being around each other in ways that we haven't for a really long time. And I, I think, first of all, I think we just have to embrace that that's okay. You know, I, I feel like I keep, I'm saying that a lot, especially to the spouse community, um, but also I think the service members too. I think it's okay to understand that in our culture, we get very used to spending time apart and, um, and you just get really independent that way and you love each other and you love being around each other, but you also have to, um, be okay with running the household by yourself or being gone from the house if you're on shift or on deployment or TDY. And so I think we just have to embrace that it is okay that you have all of you listening, including us have gotten into that battle rhythm within our culture. And I'm not saying that the civilians don't experience that at all, because there's a lot of people who travel, you know, for their jobs or um, might experience something similar. But just if we're just talking about our culture, I think that's a good place to start, that if you are either nervous about spending lots of extra time with your kids or your spouse, that that's okay, And it doesn't mean that your marriage is um, in an unhealthy place. Would you agree? Absolutely. And also I wanted um, somebody had posted something online that it made me think about what it's like out there for first responders or for anybody that's really paying playing more of a part in responding to this crisis that's going on right now. And that, um, you know, my father is a retired police officer and I can imagine how much I would probably be paranoid if I was still at home and he was coming home and he was, um, coming in the house and I wonder who he'd interacted with. And I'm sure for him, he'd be wondering who he interacted with and what he's got going on. And especially I was watching the news today about uh, the first responders and our our EMTs, our hospital docs, nurses, everybody that's really on the front line of that is trying to figure out um, how are you, when you get back into the family, how are you then going to act? Because the person staying home is probably a little bit more paranoid the, the, the first responder coming home ha- who cannot stop the job and can't work from home, who has to be out there interacting. I'm sure they're a little bit, you know, paranoid. And so just adding that little bit of stress, um, we've got increased stress in a multitude of different ways, but adding that little bit of stress and then putting people in a home where they then have to relate, uh, especially if they become quarantined together or if they uh, just are not allowed to go anywhere or have no really have no place really honestly to go, um, that can really begin to show a few of the cracks that normally exist in a family and in a marriage that we might try to gloss over normally. Uh, in mm. the military for a long time, when we were going back-to-back deployments, we um, we call that the honeymoon period, where you're like, well, you're not going to be here that long, so let's just kind of gloss over that. But then all of a sudden you start throwing people together and they start living together for more than 12 months at a time. And then now in this new normal, you have people that are living together 24 hours a day and in a way that they normally haven't. And um, those cracks can kind of show. And one thing that Corey had brought up earlier, I was going to go ahead and throw it to you, was um, not using this time to really dive deep into hot topics and hot issues. So why would you encourage that, Corey? And and what would you say that you would tell people to do kind of as a response that those things are there, they may become, the, the increased stress may actually bring them to the surface 
So what then could we do about those topics and those things that might come up while we're thrown together at this time? Yeah, so I'm, I'll definitely respond to that. Um, if you want to think on, I know this is Michelle that's um, texting into the show, um, where she's also bringing up the fact that for a lot of our first responders, that they're actually out there working even harder than usual. So I'm going to let you, Matt, in just a minute respond to that. Um, but what what he had, what he's bringing up, can you still me okay? Can you still hear me okay? Yeah, totally got you. Okay, yep, you're awesome. good. Okay, so. Um, Thank you guys for your patience. This is the first time we've ever um, practiced this platform. So it's kind of fun and I might like it a lot. So, but yeah, like Matt said, this was one of the things that he and I talked about is, you know, I see all the time in our culture where it's so difficult to schedule and have date nights that when you do get a date night, it's very tempting to try to use that time to solve all the problems and all the biggest problems that you have in your relationship. And I think it's because when you're not around each other very often, you want to make the most of your time and you want to um, take advantage of that time together. And so it's very easy to want to say, okay, let's just try to solve all of our problems. And we just want to encourage you guys that right now may not be the best time for you to solve the biggest hot topics in your marriage. Just because it's harder to, you know, when you're in your house and you're not really going somewhere except for maybe for a walk, it's not like you can, you know, blow off some steam by going to a restaurant or get away from the kids um, and have that privacy to have those tough conversations. Um, It's just not an easy space to do that in. And honestly, we don't know how long we're going to have to live like this and to be around each other. And so while I'm not saying that you should not address things never, and I'm not saying you should sweep them under the rug. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is for right now, it's right here in the beginning. We're all experiencing a lot of stress and uncertainty and getting used to each other again. And I would just say, you know, to be intentional, to enjoy and celebrate the things that you guys are doing right and really figure out how to work together as a team. And I think that that's hard enough. And what you don't want to do is to start working on all of those big hot topics that are like a minefield in your relationship, because it's going to create even more tension, more stress. Um, and really you guys figuring out how to be a united front, especially with the kids, if you have kids in the house too, is going to be super important. So it doesn't mean that you're never going to address them. And maybe in the next, um, kind of episode or live, um, talk that we do, we can talk about when do you, and how do you address those topics? But we're just encouraging you for right now to be around each other, experience and push through maybe that tension. If you have it, that you haven't been around each other for for this long for a while and celebrate that and be intentional with your time together and just agree as a couple that we'll address some of those bigger topics later. And maybe if you get triggered by it and you feel the need to talk about it, just journal it instead. Um, individually journal it, process it in that journal. Um, there's nothing wrong with having a journal or maybe a password protected um, digital journal on your computer where you can just kind of, you know, as Brene Brown says, you know, have your shitty first draft, you know, hope kids aren't listening, but <laughs> having that draft that, um, is not how you really feel. It's just that triggered feeling that you feel to kind of process those initial emotions so that you can find your better words later. Um, that's a little bit more accurate to your true feelings. So maybe you take some of that to a journal and then um, and save that for a more productive time. 
Yeah. And once you get that stuff out, then you got to put good stuff in there. And when you yeah. had asked the question about um, first responder families, um, medical families, people or um, gosh, probably even um, truck drivers, uh, anybody that's involved in the supply chain, getting food to a grocery store, restocking grocery store um, for those families, even we have to really start begin cast vision um, amongst ourselves. And uh, I've just finished up writing a 12 page paper about what successful warfare looks like. I'm in the command and general staff college here. And, um, and these, these opinions are of my own, not the department of defense or CGSC. But one of the things I took a look at, I read this book and have been reading this book called uh, our mother's war, which talked about the, the role of spouses and uh, the success of World War II and how integral it was. And it's not just spouses, but it's, uh, you know, females and how much they were involved in making World War II as successful as it was. And the more that I researched, the more that I found out about how much our country as a whole really kind of embraced sacrifice and adversity during that time. And they, um, they integrated, they, I call it integrating on a higher plane rather than look at their differences and things that pulled them apart. They looked and they, um, they found something to fight for. They found something to give up for. So when they're rationing things, when they're going without, when they're living in close quarters, they continually cast vision for themselves and other people cast vision for them to say, here's why we're doing what we're doing. It's not just a matter of, Here's what we have to do. It is, here's why we kind of get to do it. So one way that you can really kind of begin to cast vision for yourself, this may sound cheesy, uh, Corey, you know, you may disagree, but is even pulling up YouTube or pulling up something where you can take a look back at what people had to go through during that time between 1941 and 1945 as a country and what we gave up and how we sacrificed and really how that brought us together um, for a common goal. And so if that tension is happening within your family, sit down and kind of re-energize your, your vision casting for, okay, here's why we're going through what we're going through. This may be inconvenient. This may be uncomfortable. Um, and uh, we may have to push through some stuff that we're, we don't really like and have to give up on some things. Um, but even as a country, but especially within our homes, really casting vision for ourselves of, okay, here's why we're doing what we're doing. Let's put it back into context. Let's get a right perspective on this. And we're just going to take this day to day. But in the midst of that, we're going to find meaning out of all of it. And it's also, if you've got young kids at home, if you've got kids at home, then it's a great opportunity to be able to cast a vision for them as well. There is a lot of fear that's going on out there, um, especially when they don't understand well, why all of these things are being imposed. And as much as we might try and to explain it from a scientific standpoint, part of it is really just we love our fellow Americans. We love the other people in the world. And out of that love and out of that dedication, we're willing to sacrifice in the here and now for a better future and a better tomorrow. Um, and so really, once you put down the bad stuff and you get that out in a journal and you kind of get rid of those, you know, that shitty first draft, then getting on to a better first draft of getting a right perspective to look at really can pull you forward through this. And what I've liked, what I've seen in the online conversations are um, more examples of people beginning to share good that's coming out of this, whether or not it's parents that are homeschooling, um, the fact that the medical community is making great advancements like rapidly mm -hmm. that we can mm -hmm. use later on. Um, 
I mean, even the fact that uh, pollution has decreased in China and Italy. I mean, you know, this is very inconvenient, but we've been complaining this entire time about where our nation is going, where our world is going globally with pollution. And all of a sudden, those things are kind of starting to solve themselves. And all it really took was, you know, a, a bad, bad reason for everybody to have to take a, a, take a month or two off. And um, we're beginning to, to see some, some positive impacts of this. So really, it's changing your perspective. This is bad. People are dying. But really, it's trying to get a, a different perspective on it. I think that's think? awesome. Cause, yeah, that's awesome because I hadn't had a chance to read that article yet. And I think um, I will make sure that I post that on my main Facebook page um, and also in the show notes of this, because this will also be put out on the Life Giver podcast for those that didn't, um, who weren't a part of it live. So, um, and I definitely want us to cover um, some more marriage tips to help you get through this. But I think that we should acknowledge um, especially for our first responders. And it sounds like for our National Guard, I, I read last night, our National Guard in Texas is going to be utilized a lot more um, to help out. And it's just an interesting way to have, to see our military and our first responder community in some ways come together to, to face a common enemy. Yep. Um, and as Trump called it this morning, an invisible enemy. And he even said that's, that's probably the worst enemy you could have is one that's invisible. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I think that it is definitely important. I just want to give a shout out to our first responders, including our EMS workers. And I'm going to include a lot of, you know, our first responders right now are our medical professionals and nurses who are really for real on the front line and the tip of the spear on all of this, um, who are working those long hours, those long shifts that are really putting themselves in harm's way. Um, out of their love for this country and for their communities and for humanity in general and how amazing they are. So I'm really looking forward to our country really on the other side of this, investing in that community and and showing our support to them a little bit more. Um, But like uh, Michelle, like Michelle was bringing up, I think um, it would be good for us to point out the fact that a lot of our first responders are out there working those extra hours. And so I just want to acknowledge that it's also okay that if you're experiencing that paranoia of, um, they're out there, if you're, let's say a spouse at home and your, um, serving spouse is out there, um, and you feel like they're being exposed to the virus, maybe they're EMS and they're actually responding to those who are, um, putting in those emergency calls or whatever, this is going to have a significant impact on our first responders. And, I don't, I don't know. I just kind of want to say out loud right now that a lot of our first responders have gotten a lot of public tension over the last decade. And but that's been um, really sad for, I know for me and Matt, from coming from a military side where we've gotten a lot of support, especially since Vietnam, to see our first responder families have so much public tensions um, and really some of them being even scared to um, publicly show that they are a first responder family. But he, this is one of those times in our world and in our nation that we need our first responders. And I have a feeling it's really good for the communities to to see you guys out there doing what it is that you're built to do. And so as you face that paranoia of them being out there, I think it's also okay if, because it's an invisible enemy, that you yourself are feeling very paranoid about letting them back in the house and trying to keep things sanitized and, and all that. I know that when I came back from the trip to Texas, I snuck in the house and I went straight to the shower and I put my clothes in the washer and you, you just do what you can, um, to, to do the best that you can to protect our home. But 
you know, I'm not a doctor, but you know, one of the things that Matt and I have been talking about sometimes in, um, delirious ways is the idea that, you know, it's not a matter of never getting this virus. It's a matter of, um, people being, you know, eventually probably exposed to it, um, slower and just not all at once. And so perhaps we don't need to be terrified of something like this, but more so just kind of step-by-step doing the best that we can Mm -hmm. to, um, protect ourselves as best as we can, knowing that it, again, it is that invisible enemy and we can't control it. Isn't that one more thing we can't control, right? Yeah. Well, I think, um, oftentimes in our normal day to day before any of this happened, I think that people, uh, I know for us, uh, spend a lot of time being anxious over the future. Um, and you can be overwhelmed by that. And, I would advise taking it much more on a day-to-day basis and appreciating the little things in each day and allowing that to build up over time. Uh, just because you, um, you know, you don't know whether things are going to get worse or better in the coming days, but what you've got is today. And today, you know, uh, the Bible says today has enough cares and enough worries of its own. And why would you add to it for what you may be afraid of or worried about tomorrow? So just taking it on a day-to-day basis and, and trying to, have some level of a sense of humor on anything that you can be going through. Um, I know even with, with dealing with kids sometimes that um, it can be frustrating to be thrown back together. Um, especially if you've got teenagers and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I relate to you little human who is acting weird on a different daily basis <laughs> and, um, and really taking the time to get to get involved in their world. I remember specifically uh, I came home once at Fort Carson and felt like I was dealing with a lot of uh, very uh, stressful. And I was dealing with a lot of very stressful kind of adult topics that were, you know, life and death matters at times. And I came upstairs and the boys were both playing pirates and the, the bed was the ship. And I could have easily gone, well, you know, dad doesn't have time to, to play pirates, but um, I found great joy in getting out of my world and getting in and getting into their world. And sometimes we tell our kids to grow up too quickly. Um, and then we kind of look back and go, well, why? Because not everything about being this, this grown up and, and this old is, is fun. So why don't I enjoy a little bit more time in their world? And so I would encourage you spend a little bit more time in their world, not trying to push them forward or make them accomplish anything, but enjoy being in their world and, and being able to kind of unplug and dissociate from this stressful unknown that's going on outside our homes. Yeah. And, you know, it's spring break here for us. And so we had kind of planned to rest and, and not really structure our days too much as it was. I mean, we were planning on traveling, which we canceled even before the military said we should cancel. So we'd already made that decision for ourselves, but you know, I know for a lot of you, this isn't your spring break and perhaps your school system for the kids has already jumped into figuring out how to do things online. We're definitely facing that as well. There's their entire school for the rest of the um, year has been canceled and and now going to go online. So I am officially now a homeschool mom, I guess. And so this is new, new territory for all of us. You know, one of the things that we're going to be doing this week, Matt and I, is really thinking about as we kind of end this week and start this next chapter is how do we not overly structure the home, but how do we um, 
I mean, especially if we're all going to be sitting here at, at home, how do we intentionally spend time together? How do we intentionally spend time apart? This is including the kids. How do we make sure that they're getting what they need from us, that we're having family time, that Matt and I are also able to have couple time, um, and that we can kind of do all that in a structured way. So, and Matt, you mentioned downstairs before we started recording this, you mentioned the idea of scheduling. Scheduling. Yeah, yeah I have to refresh my brain. Yeah, remember how we were talking about like just being more into. Oh, we've talked. Well, a lot. you got to have having a daily schedule. We sat the boys down, and once we realized that we were no longer going to be having the class for them, um, or they weren't going to be going to school, the first thing in my head was, okay, we've got to have a daily routine. We're in spring break right now, so we're not going to enforce that, but we're going to head and prepare them for okay, starting next week. We've got to come up with a daily routine. And they're at an age where I literally was like, I'm not going to tell you what that's going to be. I want you guys to talk about it and propose. And they are well enough aware for um, of what our expectations are within the family and what we need them to do. Um, they were well enough aware to go, okay, they proposed one. And I was like, well, that sounds great. I think if you guys can work that, then then that's where we'll be on them. So we we gave them ownership over over some things. And giving kids control at this point in time is crucial because mm-hmm. so much control has been taken out of their life. And especially for kids like our youngest, who is to say an extrovert is uh, an understatement <laughs> to realize, go, okay, you're going to have to be extroverted away from other kids. And that's going to be a difficult thing. I mean, half the kids out will actually probably in Myers Briggs would say about really a third of kids are actual extroverts. So about 33.3% repeating, of course, um, kids will have a really hard time with trying to be extroverted if they're not around other kids. So how do you get them around other kids? Or if they're not, or they're not able to be around other kids, ours are doing it online with video games. You can do it, I guess, with through webcams to have kids talk. Um, but if they're not able to be around other kids, guess who's going to be their play date? Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to have to kind of go, okay, how are we going to schedule time for me to be your play date? And then also Mm -hmm. for me to be getting the things done that I need to get done to help them kind of understand that. And depending on the age of kids, it may be 20 minutes to you, 20 minutes to the kid, 20 minutes to you, 20 minutes to the kid, depending on how much time they can kind of compartmentalize. Um, So you've got to pay attention to, to where they're at. And to the fact that they're struggling with it too, but also not feel overwhelmed by their needs, if that makes sense. So there's a balance. Yeah. And um, I just want to point out, um, you know, obviously we're learning as we go too, but I just want to stress that that's um, that kind of negotiation or proposal that Matt is talking about is something that we've been doing for a while with our kids. They're 12 and 15 now, but at a, even at a younger age, we gave them Um, the opportunity to learn to negotiate appropriately and to give them that sense of control. And I, I have to say, I really enjoyed that. So whether it was giving them chores or now with this, you know, this conundrum of them figuring out their daily schedule and when they're going to do school and when they're going to do chores or whatever, um, I've always wanted to give them that voice that if they're unhappy, because this is teaching them future skills in in a job, right? If you're in a job and you're being asked to do something and you're either bored or you're unhappy or, you know, whatever the circumstance is, if you can learn how to appropriate, appropriately communicate that to who you need to communicate it to, sometimes you bring ideas to the table that that person hasn't even thought of. 
So for example, again, going back to the White House briefing that came out this morning, um, one of the leading experts on the virus was um, from a medical standpoint, even talking about how the millennial generation is the one that, you know, we're so, you know, the um, older generation, we're so stuck and used to, you know, making decisions from one level to the next, almost like in order, level one to level two to level three. And she was saying that for the millennials, they, their mind works differently and they're able to jump from level one to level seven and just think about a different way of approaching things. And so trying to teach your kids how to communicate to you if they're unhappy or if they want something a little bit different, it doesn't, and my kids know, like, for example, Matt talking about, you know, what do you need your day to look like? Here's all the variables that need to fit in your day. What do you, what does that need to look like for you? Them having the opportunity to go, you know, I'd rather knock my chores out first thing in the morning or, you know, it gives them that element of control versus me coming to them and saying, this is how I want it done. And Mm -hmm. so there are some, some situations where you kind of have to structure it for them. But um, we always try to give them permission to come back and say, hey, you know, can I switch up this chore because I've been doing it endlessly for like a year and I'm ready for something different? Um, Or even as it relates to video games, like Matt just said, for a lot of these kids, they're connecting with each other online. And so we're going to be a little bit more just our household will be a little bit more lenient during this time. Um, it's not so much about playing those video games. It's about working together with their friends and then able to communicate with their friends online in the way that this generation is doing it. And so I need my kids to be able to have the permission and have the confidence to come to me and say, Hey, there's another game that my friends are meeting on. Can I talk with you about it? And then I have them go and do all the research on that game, all the things that parents are saying about that game, the things that I should be concerned about so that I am fully educated and they are proposing it to me on why it's something that they want. And so it teaches them to do that communication. So this is for your sanity too, as parents, like Mm -hmm. this is, you know, sometimes I think we do all the work and it's okay to send your kids appropriately, whatever age level they are to, you know, even a five-year-old can can kind of think about and come back to you and go, you know, this is why I don't want to clean up my room today. Right. Or this is why I don't want to clean up my room in that order. or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to do it developmentally. So, um, so not, maybe we should dive into just a couple more tips on how to stay sane around each other, especially your marriage. If you're stuck together in the house, what do you think? Um, one thing is, uh, like as soon as I kind of anticipated, this was early last week and I'm, I'm not a prepper as you might think, but, um, I, uh, I certainly was very strategic, strategic, was early on paranoid, kind of saw this coming and I was already on, um, iTunes, like creating a wish list of movies I wanted to watch. Cause I was like, well, I'm going to be stuck at home. I might need to start movies. And, um, you know, obviously we don't want to, you know, go through $20 worth of movies every day. So really taking the uh, one thing is take the time to go through and decide, okay, what, what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to watch movies? Are we going to, uh, are we going to listen to music? Are we going to color in our little coloring books? What, what is it that you want to do? What, what top things do you want to do alone and together and, and really be a little bit more explicit about that? Um, you know, sometimes with, date night, it can sometimes come so few and far between that you, uh, 
you feel like, okay, we got to make this one count. We got to figure out like mm-hmm. the perfect way to make this date night count. Okay. What's the one movie we're going to spend this date night? What's the one movie we're going to, um, but now you're not really at a place like that. So you can actually create a wish list of, okay, this is what I'd like to do. And this is, uh, uh, how I want to spend that time. And to give one another the permission, there's always an ex- more, one more extroverted and one more introverted. It's always better to give permission to go, Hey, no, it's totally okay. You're doing something by yourself. Um, just later, maybe in a couple hours, love to sit and have a cup of coffee with you and, and talk and having that kind of planned in advance. Um, if this is causing, if in your relationship, the, the things that are going on in the economy, plans that were made for the future that now have to change. If that's causing anxiety, don't bring it out. Don't bring it up all throughout the day at each point in time that, that anxiety pops. But say, hey, we're going to have a meeting um, uh, mm-hmm. on a regular basis now to sit down and go, okay, okay, now we do need to look at our finances. We do need to make some, some strategic and some tactical decisions on how we're going to make this work. Yeah. And I, I think I also, um, want to just point out, okay. Okay. I think I also want to talk about, um, maybe some more like extreme things too, to think about, because we have a lot of couples that finances might be a hot topic. Um, or if you are, let's say somebody who leaves for leaves the house and does a job Mm. that is, has a lot of adrenaline in it. You know, a lot of our first, or a lot of our first responders might be still working, but military, we're kind of on lockdown. Some of mm-hmm. us are, at least most of us oh, are. We're heavily um, on lockdown. We're heavily on lockdown. So, you know, for a lot of our serving spouses who did like an adrenaline seeking job or trained to do those things, we have service members that are currently in a deployment and they're dealing with the uncertainty of is that deployment going to end when they said it was going to end? Everybody's plans have now shifted um, mm-hmm. and shifted to a place of uncertainty even. And so for those of you who are in the house together and usually have that outlet of tension release, whether it's, um, you know, you can still go for a run, but you know, if you were used to going to the gym, if you were used to going to a job where you, uh, maybe have some of that adrenaline or you just out of the house, um, you're still going to need to find ways to get that energy out. And so, you know, finding some of those self-care ways, you know, we have a treadmill here in the house, but you can still go outside. You can go for walks. If you need to call that time out, go for a walk. That's fine. Social isolation is just to go for that walk and get, take a breather for a minute. Um, but especially, you know, if you have all of that pent up energy, my biggest concern is that we're going to have some that are going to be a little bit more explosive. Yep. You know, inter, um, reintegration is one of the most stressful times for especially military families. For those that are first responders, reintegration for you would be, you know, once once uh, that serving spouse comes back in the home and maybe after they've rested and then they're all, you know, everybody's trying to work together and parent together and work on the house together and, and kind of get back in sync with each other. That's usually the times of the most stress, even though we feel like it should be a time that's happy. And so I think, um, maybe Matt, would you just share a couple of ideas on, um, anger management, even on what people can do if they find themselves really starting to get irritated and possibly aggressive? 
Okay, so you got to start ahead of time, and I'll go into um, Mr. Rogers. Uh, if you haven't listened, we had a podcast that we did a couple of. Have we? Ooh, have it, we hasn't, it hasn't gone. No. Okay, you got. Okay, it's a great podcast coming. But one of the things, and it's about the Mr. Rogers movie that we watched, and um, apparently Mr. Rogers had a pretty bad temper, and the way he controlled it was he got a lot of that energy out ahead of time, and the two ways, and I'm not spoiling the movie, were that um, he would swim a lot. And then he would also, uh, what do you, he would also pray for people by name. And so going back to the scheduling thing, living on purpose and not accidentally is you have to put it into your routine. I'm a gym guy. I love going to the gym and this is one of those, this is, you know, it sounds selfish to say this is getting in the way of gains, but um, I've kind of gone, well, okay, I guess I'm going to be leaning out now and we've got a treadmill downstairs. So I just can walk on the treadmill with a weighted vest, but you got to get that energy out. Um, if you were, if you're well enough, um, if you're just at the house and you don't have anything going on, if you're well enough, you've got to find a way to get that energy out, whether that's going for a run, doing push-ups until failure, until failure, sit-ups, um, squats, anything you can do to try and get that energy out, that's going to be very beneficial for you. But you got to do that before you get into a situation where that energy is going to work against you. So for me, I've got to do that early in the morning, first thing, right after I get coffee, once I kind of get my wits about me, so that I don't go into the rest of the day with any of that pent up energy that could like push me over an edge if, you know, something just, um, sparks something. The other part is really being intentional with time that I go to spend with, um, with, uh, with the boys or with Corey in conversation or asking them what they're doing and whether it's playing a video game or just talking, but to, um, enter into that place and that space, um, knowing that I'm going to be doing some good check-ins with them and good enough that once I need to kind of pull back and have my own place and space that I can do that, uh, without feeling like I'm constantly withdrawing. So it's it's like equalizers. There's an ebb and a flow, and you really have to pay your dues um, early on with your your energy and your intentionality so that later on when you feel like you're out of energy or out of patience or um, you just haven't had your own space, that you don't feel bad about needing to kind of withdraw and pull back, and you also don't have that that built up energy that could uh, that could sabotage what could otherwise be a, a pretty chill and relaxed day. Yeah, and I also want to say now is the time to over communicate and not take things personally. Um, there's a lot of families, service families, <clears throat> where you have a serving spouse that did the military or, or first responder job. I know we have a lot of dual service too, but just kind of let me do the stereotype first. But a lot of you who are the service spouse, you go out and do the job. And then maybe you have a supporting spouse that's at home used to running the household, or maybe you even work a job like I do, where you're used to working at home remotely um, when the house is quiet, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is different right now. And so everybody has a piece of the space. And so, um, I just want to say it's time to over communicate. And so if you are the spouse that really wants to spend the quality time with your spouse, then, then say that communicate it, ask for it. And if you're the person who's like, I, the whole world has shut down except for my job, right? Because it was remote and I've got to figure out how to carve this time to do this job. Then you need to communicate that too in kindness. And that's not, um, we need to do, be very careful to not take those things personally. If somebody um, needs to say, can we do that an hour from now? Or can we be more intentional with that here or there? Or, 
you know, whatever that looks like. Or if, you, if your spouse is even coming to you and saying, hey, um, I need you to correct this or that, or I don't like the way that you handled that with the kids. You know, there's, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for things like that, where we're trying to work together and everybody's trying to figure out their role and their place and that we should try our best to welcome those conversations and not take them personally. Um, it's just not, it's not going to go well. And yeah, so maybe and if you're, I was going to say, if you're getting kind of at the end of your patience with a kid, something that works for Corey and I is calling a timeout or we tag in. I mean, I grew up watching wrestling. And so understanding how tag teams work, it's when the other person is down, they're like, have nothing more to give. (laughs) The other person's reaching in the rings, like tag me, tag me. And so sometimes with those kids, you got to look at, you got to lock eyes with the other parent and go, okay, tag. And you have to respect the tag as much as you may want to like, finish that move you are not in a position of advantage with the kids and you're not going to be able to finish that move and so you got to let your partner tag in there um, when they have that reserve and then stand by and, and and figure out that dance and one thing that can come of this is by doing that dance well and better and more during this time it actually draws you closer together rather than two people that are choosing between different times on how to be single parents um or roommates in the same place, you really kind of get back on the same team together. Yeah, for sure. And and that parent that's really struggling and needs to tag out, um, that's, that's usually, it doesn't look like I have nothing left to give. It looks more like flailing about trying mm-hmm. to parent, <laughs> if you know, or maybe that's just Matt and I, like when we're like losing, you know, and we're just have tried everything. It really looks like a desperate attempt to try to parent the kids. And it's usually when one of us taps on the shoulder and goes, Hey, let me, let me take over. You go rest, you know? Yeah. And if you don't have somebody, point. if you don't have somebody to tag out, um, an encouragement could be to simply just communicate that to, to your children, to the kids of, to the kids of going, Hey, Hey, here's the deal. I'm tired mm-hmm. and I'm mad and I have anxiety too. I mean, those are words that kids understand. And to go, I want to circle back to this when I'm better and when you're better. But can we together do something that we both maybe like to do or something you would rather do? If it's just kind of um, a distraction for the moment, maybe it will alleviate the anxiety or the seriousness of whatever's going on in that moment. But, you know, it's funny that adult coloring books are back in in style, but um never underestimate the power of like coloring or creating or, you know, creating a story together, finding a way to get inside the kid's head. And that's a great way to begin to redirect the entirety of that situation into a place where you're working together and not in in an adversarial position, but kids understand feelings. Um, And Corey, hopefully when you, when you post this, um, post the feeling wheel, so we can, yeah. so people can print that off, put that on their, on their fridge and allow children to be able to go, okay, here's my feeling. And adults can go, here's my feeling. And once we get back on that elementary level of communication, I think we'll see, a, a, see through a lot of these misunderstandings that we're having. So, so good. And so I will definitely right? post yeah. the Yeah. Um, I'll definitely post the feelings wheel and to kind of wrap up, here's just kind of a Matt and I our rules for timeouts that we teach everybody that I think would be good for us to leave you with. And number one is timeouts are um, healthy and good and anybody can call a timeout at any time. In fact, Matt and I have been saying for years now that, you know, when somebody asks, well, who calls the timeout, we kind of have this thing where we say, whoever's the most mature 
when things mm-hmm. are escalating should call the timeout. And that puts yeah. it actually, um, either one of you at any point can decide to be the person that calls that timeout because you have recognized that this has gone to an unhealthy place where it's becoming destructive. So call that timeout appropriately and with kindness and just say, Hey, this is escalating and I love you. And I don't want to have an argument with you. Let's I'm calling a timeout, but whoever calls the timeout has to call a time in. So there are no forever timeouts. There's no abandonment. If you're going to leave the house and go for a walk, then just say, I'm going to go for a walk for 20 minutes, an hour, whatever you need, but I'll be back and we'll talk about it again. Then maybe on the porch or, or somewhere where the kids can't hear you trying to work it out, but, um, you always call a time in, Mm -hmm. um, and another time we'll have to go through how to communicate and slow the conversation down just a little bit more, but just keep that in mind as far as, um, it's appropriate to call those timeouts. There are no forever timeouts. That's just abandonment. Um, Mm -hmm. So call those time ins and be respectful. If you're an introvert or extrovert, Um, those extroverts, I know you want to resolve the situation quickly um, and talk it out. Um, And introverts, I know that you want to just withdraw and just like resolve it in your head and not talk about it at all. We have to respect both sides and work together. Any last words for you, Matt? So I'll tell extroverts, um, go find a a room in a, and do the empty chair technique because you're only going to get more frustrated with the, the words rattling around in your head and you're not going to sound any crazier talking to an empty chair through the process. <laughs> God, seriously, it honestly works. I've had some of the best conversations with God sitting across from an empty chair simply because it gives a sense of a, of that, of his presence there. And mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a, it's a gestalt therapy technique. Um, so what you do is you sit in a chair, you put an empty chair right across the front of you and you talk to it as if the person you want to talk to is sitting right there in the chair. And what's great is you can say almost anything that nobody else can hear And you can hear the words coming out of your mouth and begin to assess whether or not that accurately reflects how you think or feel. And when you're doing that, you have this little feedback loop that's going on that extroverts need to begin to build what you honestly think and feel about it. Because your first draft is never your real draft for an extrovert. It takes a while to get there, which is why when I start talking and Corey tries to like address the third sentence that I said... She's not addressing the real sentence. She's not addressing the real thing. She's just addressing the third sentence. I mean, I got to get to the 10th sentence or the 11th. So the introvert needs the quiet to go think their thoughts about how they think and feel. The extrovert needs the quiet to go talk their thoughts about how they think and feel. And then once they come back together, they can do a lot less damage that they would have to cover over um, without that anxiety. And sometimes for the extrovert, doing that talking they kind of realize, oh, okay, I'm good. I just had to talk through it. And then the introvert's like, oh, I just had to think through it. And they come back together and they're mm-hmm. like, you know what? This really wasn't a thing. But what you've got to do is you've got to do a couple things. You've got to believe the best about your marriage. You have to believe the best mm-hmm. about the other person. And you have to you have to kind of talk through the shitty first draft, then get a good perspective, believe the best, and really try to, and a concept, I know we're running out of time, Corey, but You're good. A, a concept that we use um, in the business and in the military is red teaming it. And red teaming is literally attacking your thought. It's really going, look for the holes at, in that thought and go, where's that wrong? What assumptions are you operating off of that make that thought wrong? And once you, once you recognize an irrationality, then you pull that little string and you begin to see, oh, wow, this, this whole way that I'm feeling is built on one big house of cards of irrationality. 
once I actually apply a rational thought to it, then I can kind of see through this. So give yourself grace and give yourself space to be able to figure out what it is you're thinking, you're feeling in that moment before you try and go and engage the other person. I think, um, you know, as a final thought to your empty chair, which I think is a fantastic idea. And that's, that's so funny because I know in some of our arguments when we've taken a timeout, I've heard you talking downstairs and I was wondering what you were doing, <laughs> right? Like I could just hear this mumbling. Yeah. Well, come back up. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a great, so there's funny. a great, um, uh, Sinbad show. Um, Sinbad, the comedian, and it's back. It's like 20 years ago where he's like, mm -hmm. if you ever just walk up, if you ever just walk up to uh, to a man who's just talking to himself at a, <laughs> at a at a bus stop, if he's just sitting there walking around, go, I ain't wrong. You're wrong. I ain't wrong. And he problem me. I ain't wrong. He's like, he's not crazy. He's just working it out. He's working exactly what's happening. He ain't crazy. He's just working it I out. Love it. And yeah. so those of you who are like, it, maybe those extroverts that really like that technique, you know, number one, you know, if you're stuck in the house together, then you may have to let your, your kids know, I'm going to go up to my room and just work, work out my thoughts for a little bit. Yeah. And it's not a time. And I'm going to tell you introverts, it is not something for you to eavesdrop on because again, it's the draft that is not necessarily the real draft. And you should mm -hmm. wait until the extrovert has the right words to come back and process in a healthier way. It'd be like somebody intruding on your inner thoughts. And so that's number one. Number two, if you can't find that space to do it, um, going for a walk, um, and talking to yourself if that's what you need to do. But um, journal, again, going back to journal, like we've got to be creative with how to find the privacy that you need to work out the things that you need in your relationship as those emotions and tensions come up. So I just want to um, say thank you guys so much for joining us on this pilot test. Uh, I loved it. Like, I, I think we should do this more often. Mm -hmm. um, the great news is, is that with this platform, um, this is something that will be able to be recorded and put out immediately. Um, I'll probably have it available later today for those of you who are just now joining or going to hear it recorded. Um, so it'll go out as a bonus episode on the Life Giver podcast. Um, Matt and I will be talking because we're spending a lot of time here together and it's kind of dangerous when the two of us have lots of time together and we have such compassion for all of you guys. We're going through the same thing you guys are. And so we get uh, all these kind of fun ideas. So um, we will talk about doing it again. So thank you guys so much for joining us on a pilot testing of it. Um, mm -hmm. It was fun to hear, hear and see your comments. Um, so fun. So thank you for joining us. Yep. It was good to be with you. All right. Take care. Uh, take care of one another. Uh, treat each other well. Treat each other nice. The best thing come out of any of this is the best of us. Thanks, you guys. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you're feeling especially grateful, head on over to patreon.com forward slash life giver or find the link in today's show notes where for just a couple of dollars, you can help breathe life into more service families. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org. You